While the city sleeps every night He creeps just surveying his domain He roams around like he owns the town He's the king, he makes that plain He knows every trick, doesn't miss a lick When it comes to keeping fat Some city slicker, no one is quicker than a bad dawn cat every nook and cranny. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Medfield College Film Society. My name is Jeff Crawford. With me as always, my wonderful society members. We're going to start in the mountains of North Carolina with my good friend Andy Brown. Andy, how you doing tonight? Hey, Jeff Crawford. I am doing well, and I'm super glad to be here with you guys. Hey, I know. I know, it's going to be a good one. Hopefully there won't be a great schism this week, you know. We got kind of, it was a house divided last week. Or last yeah. month, or whatever it was. The last episode. Yeah, and a house divided cannot stand. That's right. Say. So we'll see. That's right. That could be the end of the podcast. We'll go to your, uh, yeah, your survivor ally, Mr. Michael Crawford, hater <laughs> of Sword in the Stone. How goes it? Who knew? Who knew? Uh, it goes well. Just blew through another hurricane down here, so everything's a okay. An election, a hurricane. Yeah, right, no kidding. You know, just living in Florida in November. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just another month of life here in Florida. That's right. And in the Queen City, the Mint City, the... Uh, very close to the city of pleasant living and uh gas town one mr robert mcswain robert how's it going our founder i'm <coughs> oh, oh, sorry i had a, I there's a cat under my bed here which ah. I'm, I'm fine thank you hey did i learned the other day that the other queen city is named after another queen oh um, what's what queen is that I don't know, but we're, we're Queen Charlotte, so I guess yeah, they're Queen Cincinnati. And it, well, Queen Cincinnati? Yeah, that makes sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> Queen Chili Spaghetti? Queen Chili Spaghetti, yeah, that's that sounds better. She has my allegiance. Well, guys, it's about time to talk a little rock and roller coaster. Loving a roller coaster, the <laughs> ultimate podcast about... The rock and roller coaster. No, no, no. That's not. I've got your blacklist, Paul. <laughs> you know how we feel about our fans. <laughs> you took it right out of my mouth. <laughs> I just got that song stuck in my head right before we started rolling, so I had to bring that into it. Now, Michael, what, what in the world are we watching tonight? I love that idea. We're watching <laughs> the 1965 Disney classic, That Darn Cat. Mm-hmm. Directed right. by Robert Stevenson, written by Bill Walsh, Gordon Gordon, and Mildred Gordon, based on the book Undercover Cat, written by the Gordons, yeah. starring Haley Mills in her last Disney film, Dean Jones in his first Disney film, also just a whole ton of great people, Dorothy Provine, Roddy McDowell, Neville Brand, Frank Gorshin. Elza Lanchester, William Demarest, Ed Wynn, and, of course, Tom Lowell as Canoe Henderson. 
the Gordons really struck me on the credits. Uh, yes. A thing. Did you say Gordon Gordon? Gordon Gordon. Wow. Nice. So it's three Gordons for the price of two, I guess. No wonder they called them the Gordons. <laughs> yeah, that always stuck out to me as well. I, I remember that even going into watching this. I was like, oh, it's the Gordons. I don't know why. It's just an odd little credit. Yeah. Well, this one, Michael, we got to say, this one was high in the rotation. It's one of those ones that we watched a lot as yes. on the VHS. Um. Yeah, I mean, what more can you say? We we would always talk like the uh, the gangsters a lot to each other as children <laughs> and as adults. It struck me watching it again because it's been a while since I've seen it. Maybe not yeah. too too long, but um, well, first, it, how much we must have watched it because like every bit of it, like every line is like the line reading is burned into my brain, but. How many things from it were part yes. of our shtick? Yes, yes. So many things, and so many references to it throughout the youth. But perhaps most of all, moms. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, there was a lot of moms. There was a lot of weird beats for me that I kind of, like. I don't remember the last time I watched this movie, but I must have seen it quite a bit too as a kid but they were like just little windows that would like all of a sudden, like somebody was hitting the record button or like putting yeah. the last piece of the puzzle together in my brain. And I go, and I totally remember this, like, you know, weird, like elements of this movie. Um, I will get in. I mean, I'll, I'll point them out as we go along, but yeah, it was, it was a, a fun watch for that purpose. Interesting. This movie came out before Disney died. And yeah, as, as, as to your point of, Haley Mills' last movie, Dean Jones' first movie. It's kind of, you know, I don't know. It, it, it represents kind of to me a maybe an endpoint to the first era of Disney, these comedies that kind of form the backbone of these movies that we watch a lot on this podcast. And then after this, kind of become the other half of the movies that we watch, like the boat necks and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The Dean, Dean Jones is a tie that binds that, but yeah, interesting that, but this is so early and earlier than, than what I would think in some respects. Yeah, absolutely. And you have outside writers, which I think adds a lot to it. Um, mm. It's not, you know, somebody just from the stable, but you have these outside writers, which I think brings a lot of, sort of new liveliness to it. So it's a little different than some of the other things we've seen. The Gordons, man. GG, the OG. Well, we have to, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask Andy Brown, our resident, uh, you know, I don't know what you call him. Critic? Fish out of water. Yeah. Fish out of water. Uh, contextless man. Uh, did you ever watch that darn cat? I have never seen this movie before doing it for the podcast. So this was a fresh viewing for me. Okay. Well, you know, and now you're kind of an old vet. Like we've said, you know, a lot of these people, you've seen a lot of these beats. So, uh, how did you find that darn cat? I thought it was delightful. It was very charming. Um, I mean, I, the, just, I can't read you at all, Andy. <laughs> I know. 
I went this one more. Eddie's gonna hate this. Oh, no, man. no. I, I, I love. Of course, I've come to like Dean Jones a lot now. Um, I yeah. don't have a history with Haley Mills, so I couldn't. You know, there wasn't nothing there for me. For me, really. Uh, but I, I'm also a sucker for this. You know, late 1950s, early 1960s FBI stuff. Yeah. And uh, there's just something about it. Uh, just really draws me in. So uh, even though it was a silly premise, uh, I enjoyed this movie. Oh, I'm excited to hear more. Yeah. Should we hear more? I think so. Well, I think we should just get into it, guys. I think we should start with one who has seen it the most, perhaps. Michael, will you take us into the world of that darn cat? We begin as is typical with the Buena Vista title card, but this time we got a mysterious toot accompanying it. Yes. <laughs> no fanfare. Or something, wasn't it? Anti no fanfare. Kind of uh, Batman vibe, as uh, yeah. I guess maybe that'd be the Gorshin connection in my brain. Anyway, we got some cool jazz kicking in as we fade into a matte painting of a neighborhood. Kind of zoom in on the mat, and then we uh, see a little Siamese cat emerging from the back door of a house. And a lot of mats, a lot of jazz in this movie. Yet. Yeah. Can I just say real quick, I mean, low-key, one of the best Disney soundtracks you would never pick out of a lineup, but... It is excellent, and it is on streaming platforms now, which it made me. Very Are you happy. kidding me? No, it's wow. on Spotify, and um, it's so good. It's really, really good. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of times during this movie where I wanted to call out the score because yeah, it's it's really fun and uh, really good and really jazzy. It's a nice little twist. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's on Spotify. I gotta look that up. That's wild. Anyway, our mystery kitty kind of pads down the street where he sees a dog who's having some dinner on the other side of a fence. Sensing an opportunity, he jumps to the top of the fence and meows and draws the dog's attention. And some of the weirdest barking I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, is that a person or a dog? It's like, I guess it's a person, but it sounds Seems like, like a, a dog. But it's not like a dog I've ever heard. I figured it was so weird it had to be a dog because That's a kind person of started, would sound more like a an yeah, actual dog. It sounds really like a goat weird. being murdered or something. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like yeah. the uh, the Johnny uh, from Karate Kid of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> do tell. How, how, do you, how do you tie that in? 
Well, he just goes, <laughs> you know, his oh, okay. I got you. Okay. <laughs> it's very similar. It in is. My, in my brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never would have put those now. two together, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying it. Johnny Lawrence of dog barking. <laughs> Anyway, the dog is distracted and is barking at the top of the fence. And so while he's fixated on that, the cat ducks back down the other side through a hole in the fence and helps itself to the dog's dinner. Dog finally realizes what's up and gives chase. But the cat does a pretty fancy trick, jumps on a loose board in the fence, winds up trapping the dog's head in the fence. Uh, All right, I'm going to say something controversial. Yeah. I don't care for bulldogs. Me I'm either. with you, man. I'm with yeah, you. Neither. It's okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, Safe I'm, space. I'm in, the, I'm in the bag for him. I'd, I'd get one if I could. You're a big Churchill man, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get your bulldog. And second of all, before I mean, we go any further, why have we not mentioned that Bobby Darren sang the intro? Well, so, okay. I want to talk about this because I'm sure I knew this, but I had forgotten it. And like Michael, I hadn't seen this in a few years and it's been since Disney plus came out at least I hadn't never watched it on Disney plus and it just, I did not remember it. And really it's so obvious to me now, uh, I knew it at some point, but yeah, great. Bobby Darren on the soundtrack. And this, uh, this song is excellent. And there are several versions of this song as well. We should mention. <laughs> I, this is the first, uh, call out I'll give to the fact that this this little trick that the cat does with the fence and stuff there's a lot of stuff in this movie that I don't really know how they managed to get a cat to do you know we gotta go to Robert for that well, I mean well, funny, funny you, you yeah he's our resident cat expert so the it was played by animal actor Sin yeah. S-Y-N was the name of the cat um, mm. evidently it was rescued from a, like a pound and L.A., a, a, a you know, Hollywood animal trainer saw it and thought it had had the right temperament. Somebody had you got the, Moxie kid <laughs> exactly had dumped it off. According to the article I read, uh, because it was standoffish, but he thought it had, it was just right. So he took it home and trained it, and um, and they did a lot of the training using like a. Uh, this weird, like a bell or something that was like in a real high frequency and like, and they could be like 500 feet away and, and it would hear the, you know, whatever they, they did and it would respond and do whatever the, the action was. Um, so it was highly trained. Um, I was impressed. Uh, I, I get that this is cat. So a, crazy. Uh-oh. A, you know, no notes from Robert. I was going to say this cat was also in the incredible journey. Correct. Robert. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I was going to say, that was his other, other uh, credit he didn't do i don't think he did much after that i went to, to i think it was um cats and which i think I've, <laughs> I've mentioned before on this podcast yes and <laughs> they found the found some write-ups on this uh, particular cat and um the great cat movie ride um yeah <laughs> I, we will I, not be doing the incredible journey i don't think on this podcast because who man that one <laughs> oh boy oh boy i watched that one since disney plus <laughs> And I showed my kids and I was like, oh man. Um, anyway, yeah. In- incredible stuff. I would say this cat is very food motivated. It's clear to see. Must be. Yeah. I just, from all the cats that I've known in my life, especially Siamese cats, I just, 
don't picture them being team players on a, hey, go jump on that fence kind of way. But anyway, uh, the dog's head's in the fence. The dog barks. We get animated swear marks coming out of his mouth, which resolve into the title, <laughs> That Darn Cat. And then as stated, the cat uh, continues his rounds while the smooth, smooth voice of Bobby Darren croons about his exploits. It's Come on. Bobby Darren singing about that darn cat. Singing a Sherman Brothers song. I mean, come on. How much better? I am already relaxed. Blood pressure down. Way low. Loving life. This is one cool cat, let me tell you. He's on the prowl for the ladies. He's on the lookout for whatever food he can find. As the song wraps up, the cat is scoping out a butcher shop where the butcher's cutting some hefty slices of salmon for a customer. Uh, he's he's just on the prowl for a good meal and a fluffy lady cat. Anyway, uh, the cat follows the customer across the street where we see that the person is none other than the great Frank Gorshin himself. He stops to buy three newspapers, each with a blaring headline about bank robbers kidnapping a bank teller. So is this how, I mean, I'm assuming this is right. This is how newspaper stands were in that day and age. I think so. Just I mean, the trust God, system. The most flimsy concoction available. I mean, yeah, <laughs> exactly. incredibly. Well, they had a newsstand yeah. kind of like that in in a town I was once acquainted with. Oh, is that right? Yeah, <laughs> I knew a newsstand like that one time. <laughs> I did want to see the, the question marks everywhere, though, for the Riddler. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> totally. Well, he was. Uh, um, I was, uh, you know, impressed that he was paying for the uh, the newspapers as a, as, a, as a criminal here. I know. Oh, well, you don't want to draw any heat. That's right. I guess right. That's right. I guess you don't, yeah, you don't want to, <laughs> you know, get the fuzz. Keep on the down low. Down on the newspaper beat. Anyway, the cat continues to follow him as he heads down the street and into an alley where he is led into the back door of an upstairs apartment by a shady, gravelly-voiced fellow. Hey. <laughs> We instantly realize these are the bank robbers. Gorshin, who is Iggy, has been out ditching their getaway car outside Fresno. Apparently, they're holed up just a few blocks from where the robbery took place while they're leading the feds on a wild goose chase with marked $20 bills down the valley, making it seem like they're headed out of town. Gorshin is super excited about the news coverage of their daring daytime robbery. He's doing it for the kicks. And uh, it takes some time to rub his face in the 250000 bucks they stole. Uh, he is really loving it. He is super excited. Uh, the other crook says they actually only got one hundred sixty grand. And Gorshin gets in the first great line of the film, You trying to snow me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that in all caps. Yeah. Uh, some really great thief talk in this one. Yes. Oh, so good. And some real, like, wet bandits. Uh, you know, kind of uh, interaction between these two, like one mastermind, one guy who's who's in it for the hype. You know, yeah, he's the he's like the loose trigger finger. He's yeah, yeah he's he's just in it for the kicks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering at this point, you know, we've got these gangsters, you know, and everything. I was I was just wondering what Andy was thinking about this at, at, at this moment. Like, this is not a typical vibe. No, it's not. And it, I even made a note. I was like, this is a pretty dark opening for a Disney film. Yeah. Truly. I was, yeah. I was thinking I was not like, we could re edit this as a, 
like a Quentin Tarantino movie now. Like uh, <laughs> if we if we did a, another trailer, but <laughs> yeah, like re- Reservoir Dogs kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's clear. The dark tones and everything made me think that. So it's clear that they're trying to strike a different tone uh, in this one and kind of be a little bit more vague than some of their other fare. Yeah. Think about I, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I was going to say this at the end, but it's clearly a big, big difference in tone from what would usually we'd have like Tim Conway and Don Knotts as the bad guys. And, right. uh, yeah. you know, the slapstick bumbling villains, yeah. but like, these are like dangerous dudes. Like this is legit yeah. suspenseful yeah. stuff with these guys. Cause they're dangerous. And they say stuff that like other Disney villains wouldn't about, you know, icing people and uh they're they're serious, you know. There's a lot of casual conversation about killing. Yeah, exactly. Alonzo Hawk needed these guys under in in his organization and he would have been more successful. Anyway, the other crook says if Iggy doesn't believe him about the money, ask their hostage, bank teller Margaret Miller, who is tied up across the room. Iggy asks her if it's true, and she nods, and he makes a move. He's going to slug her, like, hard before the other crook stops him. It is surprisingly dark. Does this lady not look like someone out of a Hitchcock film, though? Yes. Yeah. There are a few, like, Hitchcock beats in this. I feel like with the music as well. Yeah. Um, Just a couple. Yeah. Yeah. But she does. Yeah, a lot of facial zooms and stuff, a lot of close-ups and things, I think. Uh, Iggy asks if the crook and Margaret are teaming up to scam him. He's a very suspicious fellow. Uh, Iggy also asks what they're going to do about Miller, and the other guy says, well, she's been well-behaved so far, no hysteriaville, no gas. No gas. Uh, (laughs) Which is polite of her, I suppose. Iggy's in favor of offing her right now. And is making no qualms about it. But the other guy says, you know, her picture's in the paper and every nosy person around town is going to be looking out for her. And they're bound to see him dragging out the body. (laughs) So the other guy takes off Miller's gag and threatens her to remain silent. Says they're going to hole up there for a couple of days. And if they have to kill her, they will. And, uh, you know, it's all just one more death is just all gravy at this point to them, which they say. And, And you said this came out before Walt died? Yeah. 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 So he was okay with this. Yeah. Wow. So interesting. Dark, a dark side, man. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I love that. I mean, per what Andy was saying about, you know, FBI stuff from this time, this is like something you'd see in just like a regular, like gangster movie. Like one more murder is not going to, yeah, it's not going to be anything, you know, we're dead anyway. So then hilariously, they have her make them dinner. It's yeah. like, that's the sixties for you. And I was Get like, Oh, you are a hostage, but make some dinner. You are the lady after all here. And we have all this expensive cuts of meat. <laughs> these enormous steaks of salmon. I love how they order their, uh, you know, the, the, how they want it to. Oh yeah. Rare. Rare moms. They head into the kitchen where the cat from previously paws at the door. This causes guns to come out. When the other crook, whose name is Dan, throws checks the door, 
uh, the cat comes running in and starts going to town on the Simon. The cat knew just where to go for this. It's ready to go. Dan wants to throw the cat out, but Iggy likes cats, wants him to stay. Turns out he used to have a cat called AC Doocy, who always brought him good luck. So Dan and Iggy head off to the other room to talk while Miller is cooking. And Dan whispers to Iggy, you know, he's conning Miller into thinking they might turn her loose so she'll play along. Uh, but clearly, he's never going to let her go. Back in the kitchen, Miller is petting the cat and she gets an idea. She takes off the cat's collar and takes her own watch and a fork and starts to carve the word help onto the back of the watch. Uh, she's interrupted by Iggy, so she doesn't get the whole word on there. But she slips the watch over the cat's neck and lets it out the door. This is quick thinking. From She's Margaret sneaky, Miller. yeah. She's yeah. smart, man. She's got it. She got it. She had She's it planned it. out, man. I I don't know if I I don't think I would have thought of that. I'm like, I'll carve a message in my watch. Anyway, this brings Dan running. He's ready to plug Miller, but she swears she wasn't trying to make a break. Dan says he has ten little lead nosed friends in the gun, and they all run faster than she does. That's a great line. Dark man. Yeah, that's a good line. Outside, the cat heads off and back to its own neighborhood, and he sees an amazing Woody station wagon pull up to the house. <laughs> and I, I'm so happy to see it, too. Inside is our heroine, the great Haley Mills, who is with pipe-smoking beach bum named Canoe. That's an interesting and, choice uh, for a surfer dude is the pipe. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. It's per- Everything <laughs> about Canoe is perfect. <laughs> His little sweatshirts and his raggedy shorts and his pipe. His car uh, they, is 30, it's like, like a 33 Ford Woody, I believe is what it was. But oh, really? Yeah. Golly, yeah. The ID. Uh, the cutoffs, cutoff arms on the plain white sweatshirt. We might yes. add. Right. Yes. He's definitely got, got a vibe going on here. Oh, I, he's got a vibe. <laughs> yeah, it's the Bill Belichick look. <laughs> I could have used a whole like spinoff movie about canoe and just his, his life. They've been at the drive-in watching surfer movies, make plans to go see night of the surfer on Thursday, which, you know, now I realize that this was kind of just uh, ditching on surf movies, maybe a, like a sideways slam at a net or something. I don't know. Could be. Yeah, it could be. The girl, whose name is Patty, says, doesn't it feel like they're watching the same movie over and over again? And Canoe says, yeah, isn't it great? He's totally into it. Patty says, once she'd like to see a movie where boy meets girl, they have problems which aren't too weird, they fall in love and live happily ever after. Uh, Canoe isn't interested, but who is interested is Patty's neighbor, Elsa Lanchester, who's spying on them from her window. She's horrified that Canoe follows Patty into the house and that they're in there alone. She's raging at her husband, William Demarest, Uncle Charlie himself, about it. He doesn't care. This is a great couple. This is. Yeah. Some real old school, you know, acting going on here. Yeah. Totally. Pedigree. Pedigree. There's a, a strong British community here in this town. Strangely enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Randomly British people around. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah you're I, right. Yeah, I made that note, too. I was like, why does Haley Mills have an English accent in this one? She's we'll trying to not later. to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the Haley Mills trademark. Is 
If so, she was trying, I couldn't tell. I yeah, I couldn't sometimes tell. you can tell more exactly. than others, you know. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes she just lets it fly. It's just that's just how Haley Mills does it. But uh, I hadn't th- thought about the fact that the street. A lot of British people on the street for no apparent reason. Anyway, uh, this neighbor lady thinks it's unseemly that Patty and Canoe are in the house together alone while her parents are out of town in Europe. This lady made me mad. She made me mad. I was yeah. just like, Ugh, I don't, I don't want to deal with this snoopy snoop lady. So yeah. she reminds me of my neighbor on my street I grew up in on Shelby. <laughs> oh, and yeah. Jeff, Jeff and I had a run-in with her. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say no more. <laughs> wow. We, uh, wow. we oh. were doing some, some hijinks in our vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> at about i don't know maybe about five minutes after we get home uh like the phone rings and and the um the nosy na- neighbor uh called my mom to inform her what we were doing and uh <laughs> the situation was under control we weren't doing anything like horrible here it yes. wasn't like we were like drawing donuts or playing you know mailbox baseball or anything right <laughs> it was did not warrant a phone call. Snitches get uh, stitches. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, the old man ha- has a great line. He says, by the authority of the FCC and the grace of a kindly providence, which gave him the power of not having to listen to people, he's now turning off his hearing aid and going off the air. And he says, good night, old woman. I can't hear what you're saying, but whatever it is, I disagree with you 100%. Yeah, this guy. Great. This guy's great. <laughs> this guy's like, got it. You got a situation <laughs> figured that, out. That's yes. a believable relationship right there. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's totally made his situation his own pretty yeah. much. Well, outside we see the cat whose name we find out to be DC heading into his house where canoe is making a sandwich. Patty's trying to convince him that there's more to life than just surfing and eating, but he's not having it. Turns on the TV to watch the surf news and share some of the oh. sandwich with DC. The surf news. The surf news is... Oh, I, well, first they see a report about the kidnapping. And Patty recognizes Ms. Miller from the bank. And Canoe says she goes to his laundromat, which is a whole <laughs> scene that I would like to see. But then we get the surfing report, which is hilarious. <laughs> I, I meant to look it up to see if that was real. Like if they were doing this back in the 60s and on on the... Southern California coast. Yeah. I don't know, but the geography is real. Cause that's, uh, those are known places for me. So it was particularly humorous to imagine that this was real at one point, but yeah, do tell mm-hmm. Michael, tell the word is go. <laughs> I really hope this was a thing. And, uh, yeah, it's just too good. So, the, I mean, there's just a lot of like a cat eating, people food while the people are like not paying attention and then they yeah are like them seeing it happen and then them eating it yeah it's so gross there's a lot of that especially with canoe oh yeah canoe is basically splitting the sandwich with dc <laughs> and uh yeah, no wonder dc was so well behaved around yeah. the set if, if this was like it was like a constant buffet now robert do you let your cat do that? No, no. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make says. sure. 
Canoe's messing around with DC. We get a funny gag where he notices the watch, but only enough to realize, oh, it's late. I've got to get home. And uh, he wipes his, I like how he wipes the sandwich crumbs under the couch and then wipes his hands on the curtains. Some so, real Donald Duck stuff there, man. This, like, yes. Yeah, this was the first beat that I remember like vividly. Like, like, oh, that's the guy that did that. Okay, yeah, I remember this now. <laughs> canoe, man. Canoe. Not enough can be said about Canoe. Uh, no. <laughs> I, he, was, I was really digging him at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's epic. Canoe is Canoe is epic. He lives in our hearts. <laughs> He heads off just as a fancy Mercedes is pulling up. And uh, inside is Roddy McDowell and Dorothy Provine. <laughs> of course. Of course. Turns out Provine is Patty's sister, Ingrid, coming home. They're making a date, and Roddy, a.k.a. Gregory, is talking about how his mother cooks the world's best duck. He goes on about how he spent all day in the rain in a duck blind to get this gadwall. And he kind of backs Ingrid into a corner. He's talking about how mother hangs the duck out on the street screen porch before cooking it. And he's creeping really hard. He's got her in the corner, but then just Super goes in and gives her a kiss on the forehead yeah. before taking off. She's like, she's, uh, I don't know. She's kind of like, all right, I'll give you a smooch. But then he goes in for the forehead. Yeah, very creepy, Gregory. He feels like he needs to be like a professor at Rutland or something. It's yes, yes, yes. Big Shelby vibes. Totally. And meanwhile, DC heard about the duck when he was listening to Gregory talking about hanging it on the screen porch. <laughs> so he heads to Gregory's house where it is indeed hanging there in like a column of light, like <laughs> a holy relic or something. I don't know. No. Uh, Gregory's got a yappy little dog who's watching out of the kitchen window and is about to have a stroke uh, when he sees DC scoping out the duck. And this lives in my memory from the way it does a little scrabbling on the countertop. Is we used hilarious. to, yeah, this used to crack us up of the, that whole scene of the dog. Like just, rewind and watch over yeah, and over multiple right. times. Yeah. The dog's carrying on in the kitchen, but DC like lets down an ironing board from the wall and uses that as a like a platform to grab the duck. Gregory, who's acting. just right acting, I know it's like it's like a multiple step thing, which just blows my mind. But Gregory's arrived home, checks in with his pigeons, which he's got or whatever they are. Uh, he gives chase to D.C. and nearly knocks down the door of the Randall house where Patty and Ingrid live. Uh, he bursts in. He's seething with rage. He's got dirt on his face from where he was chasing D.C. And Patty, of course, has no idea what he's talking about. She explains D.C. isn't her cat or anyone else's cat. She doesn't own him. He's family. Gregory's raging about how the cat is the bane of his existence. But Patty tries to convince him it must be another cat from the neighborhood who always gets blamed or her, her, DC's always getting blamed for things this other cat does. But then DC shows up with the duck and Patty gets down and wrestles it from him, which is really disturbing. This raw duck. Yeah. Like wrestling with a cat. And this is like the first of many things of like Haley Mills, like really wrestling around with this cat. Yes. Yeah. She and really I don't know like how in the line yeah. of duty she must have been to like take it from this cat. Seem 
fairly, yeah, I don't know. A couple of things I want to point out. First was the, uh, I, thought, I thought it was funny that the cat was running with what was clearly a, a fake duck, like attached to its neck, like on a collar. Oh, I didn't even notice that. And then the cat's running motion, like it, it like it bounds. It doesn't like, it was just, yeah, it had a, had a real funny gait uh, that, um, or unusual gait for a cat. At least every cat I've ever had would, would be on a, like a dead sprint, but this one like would like jump when it, was it ran. Like leaping. Yeah. Can I ask a question here? Mm-hmm. Ingrid, how old is she supposed to be? I don't know. I've always wondered. They don't really. Yeah, it's it's pretty vague. Yeah, she looks so much older than Patty. I'm, and, I felt like she's like late twenties would be my guess. And she was thirty in real life. Was she really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense now. Okay. Yeah. Well, as a kid, when, when like everybody's older, there's a lot of, it was really confusing because yeah, yeah. it's like, well, everybody's older than me, but what's the difference between their ages? Cause Ingrid does seem older, but then seems pretty considerable. There's a yeah. line later in the movie where they're like comparing Dean Jones and Haley Mills's age. And it's like, aren't you a little young? And- I, right. Well, that's my next question is how old is Patty supposed to be? Yeah, and and the fact that we see him in context without parents or without like school or, or well, we know Ingrid has a job, yeah, right. but we don't see what Patty does besides sleuth. I just so it's yeah. really hard to tell. Yeah, well, I was, yeah, my questions like around Ingrid were why, why is she still living at home? That's and, a good question. Yeah, you're like what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, bad attitude, man. And what's the backstory on the whole family? Like, I I want to see a. Uh, you know, a canoe spinoff, but also like they would see a, you know, a, a spinoff of this family. What's going on here? Yeah. Like the parents are off in Europe and yeah. And barely kids get don't go to school or at least Patty doesn't. I mean, I, I thought maybe, maybe she was like, she's, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Like yeah. 19 between school or summer vacation. I don't, yeah. yeah it should have been summer break from Medfield. That's there you go. Should have been. Yeah. Canoe. Canoe's got a Medfield vibe. He, he could have fit in over there in Medfield. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, the Medfield surfing team. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, Haley Mills is just wrestling with this cat, and uh, she gets the mangled bird and gives it back to Gregory, but he's indignant. And Patty pretends to chastise DC. Bad, bad cat. Ah, uh, was stuck in my brain. Gregory says the next time he sees DC around his house, he'll give him a dose of buckshot nine times if necessary. So upstairs, Patty and Ingrid are talking about Gregory. This kind of gets into what is the deal with Ingrid. Patty says Ingrid's walking into a trap, but Ingrid insists that Gregory just drives her to and from work. And that's all there is to it. Patty says it's creeping matrimony and says, you know, she realizes at her age, Ingrid might be getting desperate. So there you go. There you go. It, it touches on it. Uh, this sets off Ingrid talking about canoe who Patty defends as being just defenseless, a helpless little boy that she takes care of. And they're kind of going back and forth when Patty realizes DC is wearing her wristwatch. She finds the message on the back H E and a part of an L little squiggle. That might be an L and she thinks it must mean help that someone is in trouble. And Ingrid isn't having any of it in her fluffy plush covers. But Patty is convinced that she's got to do something about it. 
I just want Ingrid's robe. I don't care if it's weird. I think it's really cool. <laughs> Ingrid lives a very comfortable life, we can tell. Yes. Because everything is very plush and fu- plush and or fuzzy. A lot of good sweaters in this movie. A lot of great outfits for Ingrid. She's, you know, kind of have a crush on Ingrid, kind of just want to be Ingrid. It's somewhere in, in between. We're going to get to her, her interior design in a bit, but uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of, lot of props for Ingrid for me. I, Big Ingrid fan. A plus. Well, the next day we find Ingrid reading about the kidnapping in the paper. Patty's been up all night thinking about the pitiful cry for help on the watch. She's come to the conclusion that the watch belongs to Margaret Miller. But Ingrid thinks that she's crazy. She forbids Patty to get the police involved with another of her imagined schemes. So apparently this is something that happens uh, frequently in this household. Patty agrees, but later tells DC, of course she wouldn't go to the police. This is a job for the FBI. So we find ourselves at the local FBI office where Patty tells the receptionist that she might have information about a crime. We see Dean Jones, a.k.a. Zeke Kelso. Great name. Great Great name. name. Brilliant name, yes. Uh, Zeke Kelso, he comes into work, and Patty is immediately taken by him. She is just... She's she's into him, takes out her glasses to check him out, you know. And uh, while the secretary is distracted, Patty goes into the back office and finds Kelso at his desk. She kind of fixes herself up with a little, like, sultry underscore, which I get enjoyed, <laughs> and uh, closes in for the kill. She starts right off telling Kelso about DC, which stands for Darn Cat. And uh, Kelso is very confused. I love Dean Jones's confused take here. It's like just kind of looking around the room to see what's going on. Yeah. I I love that Dean Jones is supposed to be such a straight character, you know, like a straight and narrow kind of by the book type of guy. And seeing how Dean Jones plays that is really amusing to me. This is high and tight Dean Jones. This is, yeah, yeah, starch (laughs) collar Dean Jones. It's good. He was 34 when he made this movie. Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, man. That makes me feel old. Um, but he looks like he's in his 20s. Yeah, he, looks he really does. Young. He's like super young looking, uh, but very official. He's. I love how, how serious he is in this. Uh, he starts to blow Patty off, but she. Dr- he thinks she's talking about a stolen duck, but then she drops the topics of bank robbery and kidnapping, which makes him very serious, which I love. He's like, I think I better listen to you, Miss Randall. As she tells him about the watch, and he takes it to his boss, who says it's a goofy idea, but he likes it. He realizes that the 20s that Iggy's been dropping all up the valley was a paper chase, thinks that the crooks are still in town. Kelso says he's busy working the Johnny the Cooch case, but the boss says... <laughs> That's a great Johnny one. the Cooch. Johnny yeah. the Cooch. The boss says the Cooch can wait. Wants Kelso to put together a unit and trail the cat. There's your T-shirt right there. The cooch can wait. <laughs> the cooch can wait. <laughs> the picture of Zeke Kelsey. Z- Z- That's right. <laughs> Come on, Disney. Oh, Kelso is not into this idea at all. He doesn't get on well with cats. And uh, he also might have a little bit of an allergy, but the boss is not having it. Kind of blackmails him into it, doing it. And despite the fact that just the thought of a cat gives him a sneezing fit, 
Kelso sets off to track the cat, and we reach the end of Act One. The old familiar driving style of Dean Jones. <laughs> Nobody does it like Dean. <laughs> Nobody does it like Dean. This is some really good version of it, too. Ten and two, baby. <laughs> back it's going all over the place. That's right. <laughs> he's driving like he's being chased by the police. But, uh, yeah, so Agent Dean Jones is driving Patty back to her house to see if DC is really going to be of some help. And he doesn't want the whole town to know who he is. Uh, or what he's even doing there. So uh, this is because, as Agent Dean Jones puts it, people tend to become overstimulated when they discover an FBI man is in the neighborhood. And uh, Agent Dean Jones says to keep everything quiet, calm, and inconspicuous as to not draw attention. Well, like the eye of Sauron, old Snoopy Snoop Mrs. McDougal over here. Uh, whose windows are soaped over, or was she was either cleaning, or they stay soaped over? I'm not really sure. Waxing them all. I don't know what she was doing. She's just cleaning them. I don't okay. know why, but in like old movies like this, I don't know what they used on movie on windows back then. But it's always just like this white like paste whenever people are cleaning windows. I don't know yeah. what they were using then. Yeah, no Windex. Well, she's keeping a watch, an ever watchful eye, and um, and she spots something suspicious. Even with Patty's nonchalant whistling, which made me laugh, uh, she sees Agent Dean Jones following Patty into the house, and um, this really gets her worked up. Uh, good old Mr. McDougal, he gets a rag slapped across his face when he questions what she's going on about now. I was like, yeah, golly, lady. <laughs> you are I love her line. She's like, he was carrying a bag. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she says Patty was followed in by a strange man. Mr. McDougal says it's probably the plumber. And even if he's wearing a suit because they they can afford uh, they can afford to wear a, a suit even with the prices that they charge these days. Womp, uh, womp, womp. He's surprised they're not even wearing a tuxedo. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Agent Dean Jones sets up his work area in Ingrid's room. And turns out that he's allergic to cats and sneezes his, his head off whenever he's near a cat. And DC just happens to be in the room with him. So he's just sneezing everywhere. I'm just going to make a quick note that I need Ingrid's bedspread now. And <laughs> perhaps the bed and the lamps and the clock. Yeah. All of it. Emil Curie props. I need just Perfect. need I just need to create Ingrid's room as my guest bedroom, maybe. So we need the house from the ugly Dotson in this room. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. This bedroom suit, like my grandmother had almost the exact one. Like it was very nice. reminiscent. So they, they must have been a dime a dozen back in the in the sixties. 
All right. Well, Dean Jones is finally introduced <laughs> to the DC and uh, DC is clearly is not fond of him. In fact, he kind of keeps swatting at him, at him which was cracked me <laughs> yeah. up. It's, yeah. you know, it's feisty, man. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering how they got the, got the cat to do that. I just want to know how Haley wasn't always getting mauled by the cat. Cause she like carries it like, like a sack of potatoes and is always kind of like juggling it in her arms. And like, she is unfazed by any of it. Like, I don't know how many takes it, it would have to It must have been something what. they trained it to yeah. do that wouldn't have been truly lethal, but it, like, it surely looks lethal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like I couldn't know. Um, like, if I tried to either. carry any cat I've known like that, like she carries DC around, just kind of like one arm to the other, it, it would kill you. Well, Agent Dean Jones now wants a photograph of DC. <laughs> and... uh but Patty Why? can't get DC to stand up, and he just keeps laying down. But finally, the <laughs> Agent Dean Jones is able to get a good photo of DC. But the Flash scares the cat, and he runs away into the bed. And then they try to pull him out. And that again, this is another one. Just like you were saying, you know, the cat does not want to come out. And it, I think those guys really got scratched trying to do that. Yeah. Um, for some reason, the FBI wants DC's paw prints too. That didn't make any sense. So they finally get the cat and they head into the bathroom where Agent Dean Jones can ink DC's paws and put them on paper. But DC, of course, isn't cooperating. And all this is going on until Canoe shows up, ready to take Patty surfing. <laughs> One thing we haven't talked about is that Canoe has kitchen privileges at this house. Mm-hmm. Yes. What? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Why? Clearly, he spends a lot of time there. Yeah. It's, he's always wanting a sandwich. It's nothing. Oh, my man. Sandwich. My yeah. man. Well, I, I wish a, I would have um, had a kitchen privileges at somebody else's house. I would have gone over there all the time. I uh, had a roommate one summer who lost kitchen privileges <laughs> <laughs> at my house. <laughs> we'll tell it like a story. What happened? So it's a summer we were, I was working up in the, in the Smoky Mountains and my uh-huh, roommate, uh-huh. whom we, I think we've mentioned before on this podcast, Benny, uh, oh. crossed okay. my mom and, uh, and uh, left the kitchen in a state that she was not pleased with. And then he was fired <laughs> Oh my! God. never to return again to her kitchen. <laughs> You're out of here. <laughs> That's Question amazing. Just. Yeah, all right. So, anyways, yeah, canoes there, and he's getting to the kitchen and all that stuff. He's pounding at the door. And he's rather impatient. And Dean Jones tells Patty to get rid of him, but Patty answers the door uh, with a towel wrapped around her shoulders <laughs> and her head as if she's sick. And she tries to get Canoe to go away, but he can't really take a hint. Even he, you know, he keeps trying to push open the door, and that kind of was like, "What's his problem? Why is he?" Uh, why is he, he has a lot of problems. Yeah, uh, she's kind of doing like a Russian lady bit too. Yes. <laughs> like a, her accent has changed even more. <laughs> DC is fighting Agent Dean Jones upstairs as he's trying to make his ink his paw prints, and he's making all kinds of racket. Uh, it makes Canoe suspicious. And even after Patty insists that it's nothing, Canoe still wants to come in and make a sandwich. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> well, finally, Patty shuts the door on him and runs back upstairs to help uh, Dean Jones with DC. And the confused and looking through the window, Canoe spots her throwing off the towel and running up the stairs, and he knows something's up. Well, then Patty finds the, the black 
cat paw prints all over the bathroom just as DC hops out the window. And the poor, unsuccessful Agent Dean Jones even has them all over you know, his shirt and his face. But uh, he's able to lift a print off his forehead and onto the card. Well, some time passes and Agent Dean Jones is briefing his fellow G-men on the case about their feline informant and what's needed from them. And uh, one particular agent's got, you know, he's a little bit lippy and he finds all this very amusing until he's reminded that a woman's life is at stake. I just, I like when Dean Jones gets serious. So serious. I love it. Big police quest vibes from this briefing. I love that they went and (laughs) printed out a, like a 18 by 24 picture of the cat. I thought that was hilarious too. (laughs) The pit. So the photo that they took of DC earlier, that's what they needed it for. Yeah. Just to show it. It's like before Kinkos too. They had to go to some effort for that, you know. Yeah, it's very necessary. Well, anyways, the agents map out their positions for following the cat in hopes that he will lead them to the kidnappers. Well, meanwhile, the Riddler guys, I mean Iggy, <laughs> is returning back to their apartment, and he gets stopped by the landlady, who's heard a woman's voice in their apartment upstairs, and is going to charge them more money because there's only supposed to be two people living in this apartment. Well, Iggy says it's it's the other guy, uh, Dan, I think is his name. Yeah. Dan, yeah. Dan's uh, mother is in town. And um, so the landlady's like, oh, well, you know, you still owe me 20 bucks. And she's like, I'll just come up and get it. But Iggy's like, no, 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 don't come up. Uh, you know, I'll bring it down to you because uh, she's sick. It's her nervous system, he says. And uh, she can't stand visitors. Um, this seems to work for now. And the landlady doesn't pursue the issue anymore. Talking interior design, did you all catch the the picture or drawing of Hay in the apartment lobby that was behind no. him? No. no. It was just no. like a nice little illustration of Hay. This <laughs> <laughs> will make a nice picture a from my wall. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like Hay. Can we talk about the, the read that she gave on the... Um, oh, man. I didn't, I didn't come into Stupidsville on last night's bus. Stupidsville. She's, she's eating every line she's got, man. She's, and why? She's hungry. Why did he? They, they have a back door to their apartment. Why isn't he like going in and out of the this back door? What, okay, I was yeah. going to ask that at the very beginning. Why wouldn't he do that every time? Yeah, why do you even check to see if she's there? I mean, just go in the back door. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Stupidsville. I'm, 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 I'm following that one away. That was solid. Oh yeah, bring it back. <laughs> well, Iggy enters the kidnappers' apartment and tells Dan that they've got to move on because the landlady knows about the woman. They need to continue their conversation in private, so they send Miss Miller into the kitchen. And then from the kitchen, Miss Miller overhears the two men talk about how they're going to essentially kill her and dispose of her body, which is pretty dark stuff. Just um, casual, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, then back at Patty's house, Agent Dean Jones is all set up in Ingrid's bedroom, just like before, and he checks in with all the other agents who are staked out in their positions to follow DC. Once DC kind of heads out on his evening uh, rounds. And, um, and which, you know, I think they said happens around 9 p.m. apparently, which I thought that was funny. Uh, but Patty keeps prying, trying to find out more about Agent Dean Jones. And I, uh, so I couldn't tell if she's flirting or what. It was just a strange, I don't know, we've already kind of touched on this. It's just a strange relationship. Or, it seems like to me that like they're playing it as 
she has a crush on him, uh-huh. but he's too old for her. Right. Right. Yeah. This so she, stuff she's is, is really, I think it would be plain to the people of the time who saw it, but to us, like, I, I still feel like I have some of the, like, old young thing mixed up because of the style of the time it's yeah. kind of hard to tell but i think it would have been plain to the people that she is like infatuated with him and that he is like no you're too young and then ingrid comes in and he like gives her the eye mm-hmm. you know yeah so. totally gives her the eye absolutely. Yeah. right i think at some point maybe patty switches to like trying to fix them up maybe at some yes. point yeah it does seem that way it's like she kind of changes is this the best stakeout in all of cinema? Because I can't think of one that's better. <laughs> Aesthetically, definitely. <laughs> well, noticing the two silhouettes in front of the bedroom window, Snoopy Snoop, Mrs. McDougal, is uh, once again <laughs> sticking her nose where it doesn't belong. And she wants to listen in on what's happening upstairs. <laughs> Was this the scene where Mr. McDougal's asleep with a newspaper on his head? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's asleep, and she's like, she's she kind of lifts his hearing device off of him, like his hearing aid, and she rigs it up to a fishing pole so that she can eavesdrop on what Dean Jones and Patty are up to. Well, meanwhile, the clock strikes nine, and DC is starting to stir. And Agent Dean Jones tells all the other agents to stand by, but Patty reminds him to act casual, not to let the cat uh, suspect anything's up. And uh, he tries to be nice to DC, and Patty calls him out for being a hypocrite because uh, she, you know, it's clear that DC knows that he doesn't like him. Well, then Agent Dean Jones tries talking about the weather, and Patty calls even calls him out for that as well, uh, which I thought that was funny. Well, Mrs. McDougal keeps trying to cast a fishing pole with the listening device <laughs> attached up closer to the window, but he, she's discovered by Mr. McDougal, who takes her inside. Well, after a while, DC gets a move on, and all the agents who are following report in their positions as they sneak along. And DC visits some of his usual stops, but eventually arrives at the kidnapper's apartment building. And thinking that they've got a lead, the agents close in on the cat's position, but the bank robbers slash kidnappers turn the lights out on their apartment, and uh, and, and DC moves on. Um, I, That didn't make any sense to me why they did that, because... It just wasn't clear why the, why would they would turn their lights out. Did that? Did I yeah, miss something? Unless it or? was just early to bed, early to rise. I well, guess. No, no. I she yeah. uh, the moms had done something, and they were uh, she had like opened up a window or something. She had done one of her transgressions and oh, they turned off the lights. That's why. Okay. Got yeah. It. Got it. All right. Well, when Agent Dean Jones is disappointed that uh, this trail was unfruitful, Patty says that DC has dozens of stops, but doesn't want to see Dean Jones get tense because it can't be good for him. And uh, well, again, I, I can't. I don't understand what kind of game she's playing, but I'll go along <laughs> with it. Well, while this is going on, Gregory is dropping off Ingrid, and uh, I did not care for Gregory. And you're, you know, uh-huh. he is just like you said. He's another Shelby. Mm-hmm. I don't care for him at all. But he's dropping off Ingrid back at the house. And he says something about wanting her to wear yellow because that's his mother's favorite color. Like, which is weird. There's a backstory here with him. Like his mom's, I mean, like, like psycho. Like, yeah, speaking yeah. of Hitchcock. 
She's upstairs totally. dead in a rocking chair or something. <laughs> we never see her, so you never know. Yeah, Norman. Um, well, meanwhile, the agents are still following DC, and one in particular is a bit too clumsy, and DC has noticed him and makes a break for it, losing him in the process. Agent Dean Jones communicates to the agents that they are to abandon their current position and close in on DC's last location to reacquire him. Well, during all this excitement, Ingrid discovers Patty and Dean Jones in her room, and she is none too happy about it, to say the least. And uh, Agent Dean Jones tells her to be quiet because he's not looking at her. He's just like, because he's trying to communicate with his agents. He's like, be quiet, be quiet. Um, and this makes Ingrid mad. Dean Jones turns around to tell her again, but then, you know, he catches eyes with her and he realizes that she's rather attractive and he gives her a hi there. <laughs> but then he goes right back to insisting that she leaves the room. Um, Patty tries to explain it all, but Ingrid isn't having any of it. A couple of things here. Um, did <laughs> she says, I'm not going to have Tom Swift and his electric scoreboard in here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What did that mean? There was an old series of books called Tom Swift. It was like, um, it's like from the early 1900s. Yeah, it's like an old, old thing. Like a little like inventor kid kind of guy. Tom Swift oh. and his electric rifle. Oh. Tom Swift and his electric, you know, etc. So, really kind of bizarre reference. Deep cut from Ingrid. Uh, did anybody notice the art on Ingrid's walls? No. I didn't. Uh, there's a painting of the jungle cruise yes oh. i did notice that i had yeah. never never noticed that before i had never noticed that either but yeah a real live jungle cruise painting right there in her room which means ingrid is the coolest you know <laughs> big friend of harper golf yeah i was That's like right. that can't possibly be the jungle cruise but and it, it truly is yeah yeah the agents finally spot dc and they start following him again, but they've also lost track of their location and are unaware of where they are. So they notice the cat heading towards a house where they see some people inside. They report back to Dean Jones, who tells them to keep pursuing. Then Dean Jones and the sisters are unaware that DC has actually returned back to their house. And he's hidden under the bed. Well, then Agent Dean Jones tells the other agents to enter the house. And they're all surprised when the agents barge in on the command center in Ingrid's bedroom. Womp, womp. Uh, uh, with a startled Dean Jones, Patty, and Ingrid to be like, what? And also, all right, we've not said anything about this yet, but the pursuing music of the agents yes. as they're following along, just amazing. That was great. It's really yeah. good. The sneaking around music is impeccable throughout. Well, the next morning, Gregory has arrived to collect Ingrid and drive her to work while Mrs. McDougal is watering the flowers in her yard. She plants some seeds of suspicion as she tells Gregory about the men who've been in at the sister's house the night before. I think she says there may have been the doctor or something like that. <laughs> uh, well, Ingrid and Patty see Mrs. McDougal running her mouth, knowing full well what, you know, the lies she's spreading or the suspicious stuff she's spreading and um, the rumors. Ingrid doesn't want her reputation ruined, but Patty doesn't want her letting on about the FBI being there. Well, Ingrid agrees not to say anything, but she wants Dean Jones out of their house as soon as possible. And Ingrid heads out to Gregory's car, but she's not suffering any nonsense from uh, Gregory. 
Um, and then at the same time, Mrs. McDougal can't help herself but listen in. And uh, gosh, she really is the worst. I really did not. She know is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's supposed to be the worst, at least. Yeah, well, she's doing a good job of that. Well, at the local FBI office, Agent Dean Jones is taking some heat for how he's handling this case from his supervisor, but is given one more chance to come up with some positive results. Um, Jones is going to use a transmitter on the cat to follow him this time instead of uh, using other agents. Well, later that night, back at Patty and Ingrid's house, Agent Dean Jones has once again set up a work area in Ingrid's room as he prepares to bug the cat's collar. And there's some talk of Ingrid's reputation, which I, I thought that was interesting. I guess it was a sign of the times kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Patty puts the tracker collar with a microphone on DC and explains how uh, Dean Jones will use it to uh, will use it and uh, you know help locate the cat. And she's explaining to Ingrid, who's skeptical about skeptical about the whole thing. But then, in some sort of strange matchmaker like thing that she's got going on, Patty shoves Ingrid into the closet with a tracker slash microphone and says that Agent Dean Jones will come in to find her. This didn't. I, I didn't get this. This part was kind of silly to me. This is where I think she was trying to right, set him up. Like, yeah, p- trying to play like matchmaker or something. Okay. You know? It just it didn't feel necessary though. No, 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 no it's not definitely it's not just, necessary. Patty's just a little extra throughout. <laughs> she's just yeah. I, I I got that vibe that she's just like yeah. She's trying to get into every situation she can get into mm-hmm. and mix it. She's a keen mixer. <laughs> well, just then it's canoe at the door again. Yes. And uh, Patty forgot that she was going to go to the movies with him and she's willing to get rid of him. But Dean Jones says to keep their date. And then he encourages her to get far away from the house. I bet. Well, Patty wanted to help out, but she understands and she leaves with canoe who's, Sporting this amazing tobacco pipe now. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a that's quite a look he's got going on for sure. Oh man, he keeps it going. Also, Canoe's not in a hurry again. He's wanting to make another sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back in the closet, Ingrid is playing with uh Dean Jones, talking into the microphone cat collar, and he doesn't realize that it's it's her, but instead he thinks it's DC talking to him. <laughs> And he thinks he's going crazy, but then he soon realizes that it's actually Ingrid talking to him. And he goes I to love his, like, his first is like, now wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, he finds her in the closet, but he can't open the door. And Ingrid is flipping out about how there's no air in the closet, but DC picks now as the time to leave. And so Dean Jones, he doesn't know, you know, should he help Ingrid or should he follow the cat? Uh, and he tells her, he's like, I'll be back in two hours. And, Ingrid's like, uh, there's no air. And he's like, he tells her to get on the floor because there's more oxygen there. Uh, that was great. Well, Ingrid starts to scream. And once again, Snoopy Mrs. McDougal hears it and wants to know what's going on. But thank goodness for Mr. McDougal because he tells her if she doesn't stay away from that door, then she's going to hear another scream. And I was like, ah, oh, yes, I recognize this. Uh, Agent Dean Jones runs back upstairs and he removes the door from its hinges to free Ingrid and then is off after DC. Well, as he's tracking the cat, DC walks past a motorcycle starting up 
and the sound gives us a great Dean Jones. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, and then my notes. Oh, extended reaction. He follows DC to the drive-in theater, showing the surf picture that Canoe and Patty are at. And Dean Jones pays the entrance fee, but he doesn't have a car, and the owner isn't okay with this and chases after him. He catches up. Uh, first of all, this made me miss drive-in theaters. I know there's yeah. What? I mean, yeah. All the Why snacks, that? man, were getting me. I was like, I'm in for all these snacks going around. Yeah. Looks good. Why are the, the drive-in employees wearing medical jackets, though? That's what I... <laughs> Especially the one guy who's like a little dude, but in this like way oversized... Yeah. It's like enormous size like outfit. And uh, it's like he's supposed to be a comedic side character that we never even get to interact with. Yeah. Uh, There's but a, the uh, boss is uh, Richard Deacon. It's uh, Mel Cooley from uh, Dick Van Dyke Show. Yes. Oh, okay. And he was also the dean of the school from Blackbeard's Ghost that Dean yeah. Jones' character was going to be. Oh, yeah. I, I was trying to play some. Yeah. A couple of notes here. Uh, first of all, credit to all the drivers for their hair trigger horn honking. At this drive-in movie <laughs> theater, <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, I that and the other thing is, that. like this is this should have been the memo to Ron Miller later. You know, it's like if you all want to get your slapstick in, watch this movie. How they do it in a controlled amount of time, and then they're done with it. Yeah, you get it. Like, it doesn't go out. on forever. There's a lot of funny stuff, and then it's over, and it moves quickly, and then they're through it. Yeah. Yeah. So the owner, yeah, he's he's mad about Dean Jones being in there without a car. And he starts chasing after him, and he catches up to him. And uh, Dean Jones tells him that he's the health inspector, and says there must be a lot of mice around here because how else would you explain uh, the cats being around or all the cats being there? Over at Canoe's Woody car, he's grilling Patty about how she's acting weird, and uh, whose car has been out in front of her house. Well, during their argument, DC finds them and settles down in the back seat. Agent Dean Jones tracks the cat to the Woody, quietly gets Patty's attention, asking her to throw him out. Throw the cat, that is. Well, at first, she thinks the FBI man means canoe, but then Dean Jones is like, no, 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 no. He, he tries. He does this nice impression of a cat. He's like, <laughs> then she finally yeah. gets the picture. That was good. Well, during all this, the drive-in owner is crawling around trying to find Dean Jones and the mice and cats, and he ends up with Canoe's pipe getting dumped on his head, along with some other concessions from a concession waiter guy. I didn't even know they used to have those for drive-in theaters, but I really want that to be a thing again. Mm -hmm. uh, DC finds his way up to the projector house, chasing after a moth, and casts his shadow on the movie screen, angering the moviegoers who, like Jeff said, honking their horns, just bop, bop, bop. Uh, the drive-in owner sends Burton, uh, Burton, the, uh, what'd you go drive-in hand, uh, sends Burton after the cab, but Dean Jones tries to stop him unsuccessfully. We Burton's, just need to talk about this movie though. Oh yeah. It's just shots of people <laughs> surfing. That's all it da, was. Da, da, da. <laughs> those people surfing. I don't know why it cracks me up so much. Like, let's go watch those people surf. Just nonstop. Really, really great music. Uh, yeah, I really, I'm with you though. I think they should have had like a, a, a fake Annette somewhere in there. Yeah, that would have been funny. Yeah. That they just cut to. 
Nope, it's just surfing. Well, Burton's shadow is also cast on the screen as he chases after the cat. And DC jumps from the projector house to the top of the line of cars uh, to get away. And Burton follows after him, uh, putting the shocks of the cars <laughs> to the test. Because I mean, as soon as he touches it, it's just bouncy. It's like marshmallow. Uh-huh. So good in the it, foley. Yeah. Does anybody <laughs> want to des- somebody describe this moment because I don't think I could do it justice. It's Robert, our car guy. Just these juicy, juicy cars. <laughs> yeah, these, uh, yeah, some old time suspension. The the top, I mean, yeah, these old suspension these, these cars had, they were really soft and there was no, yeah. <laughs> they didn't put anything into, into handling. It was all about making it a smooth ride. So they're jumping on these, uh, these roofs. And like you said, it's just like a, like jumping on a trampoline. <laughs> do you think they made them like springier than springier than they wouldn't be normally maybe a little bit but i mean you didn't have to go far uh, yeah that's uh, what cars were like back then it's yeah. crazy yeah wow well agent dean jones sees dc and chases after him and patty sees this happening and decides she's done with the movie and asks canoe to take her home when they arrive, Patty thanks him, but sends him on his way, and Canoe still wants another sandwich. Man, this guy. Uh, he, he, you know, I, he reminds me of like Beetle Bailey, where he's just always wanting a sandwich or <laughs> something like that. Like, yeah. This dumb look on his face, and he's like, oh, yeah, give me a sandwich. Well, Patty tells him he's a drag, and poor Canoe is left out in the cold once more. Yeah, canoe. Well, DC heads back home too, but first wants to make a stop at Gregory's house in hopes of getting into the pigeon coop. But Gregory has other plans, and as he aims his double barrel shotgun at the cat intruder and starts firing, well, this naturally startles DC and Agent Dean Jones, who draws his gun, and this also gets gets uh, Mrs. McDougal's attention. Uh, which again, I don't blame her for this part because you hear a gun no. going off. Of that, so I love the frantic Mrs. McDougal music whenever she's like on high alert. It's like Peter and the Wolf yeah. or something. Yeah. Gregory chases after both the cat and the agent and runs into Canoe standing there as they ram run by. And Gregory has the shotgun on the kid, asking which way they went. And Canoe gives him this exasperated, like Dom DeLuise like response. <laughs> Somebody do that because I can't do it at the moment. But <laughs> yeah, and he points him in the direction that the cat and the FBI agent went. Well, DC runs into his uh, into his own house, and Gregory follows, knocking on the door first. Though poor Patty and Ingrid are afraid to open the door because they heard all the shooting and fear that DC has been hurt. Just as Agent Dean Jones arrives through the window to tell them that they're safe. But he's cracked the case wide open. And he calls for backup, but Patty realizes that it's actually Gregory who's shooting at them, not the robbers. Well, Patty goes to the door to confront Gregory, who forces his way in at this point. And Gregory thinks the man he saw, who was Agent Dean Jones, is a prowler and has come to keep the girl. And he's and Gregory has come there to keep the girl safe. Well, hearing the commotion, Agent Dean Jones hides in the closet as to not be discovered. This is a great, I mean, I was going to say when they're arguing, they, they argue on the stairs, Uh, just a great scene with Ronnie McDowell and Haley Mills and whoever uh, plays Ingrid. 
just kind of like going as a group together. I imagine they had to work on that for a while. It's mm-hmm. just really funny how physical it is that they're just like all doing their lines, kind of like flopping around as a group, trying to stop him from going any further. It's pretty funny. Uh, Dean Jones is in the closet and um, here comes Gregory and he barges in, but unfortunately DC is also in the closet with uh, Dean Jones and he gets stepped on by the FBI agent alerting Gregory who opens the door to find him standing there. And, uh, uh, you know, it was interesting watching Gregory. He's like saying how he knows how to handle a gun and he's just holding it in the most unsafe way possible. It's yes. Like, I flop it. It's around. like always yeah. like right up under somebody's face. Yeah. It's like, no dude, you can't do that. Um, Dean Jones comes up with the story about how he's just there to check, uh, the electrical wiring, which I thought was good. And Gregory doesn't buy it for a moment. Gregory is very confused by all this. And Jones and uh, Patty are about to clue him in, but Ingrid stops him. She's obviously had enough of Gregory and his mother. Uh, Gregory leaves and suggests that Ingrid find herself someone else to drive her to work from now on. Um, yeah, Gregory's awful. I really, I mean, Roddy <laughs> McDowell did a good job, but he made that but Gregory's terrible. Very, yeah. yeah. Outside all of this, uh, is canoe smoking his tobacco pipe and he decides to march in the house to get some answers. But once again, runs into Gregory and his shotgun as he's leaving and canoe hightails it out of there, diving into the backseat of his Woody. Well, a little while later, agent Dean Jones gathers his things and says goodbye to the sisters saying he's been reassigned, uh, to the cooch case. Uh, <laughs> and because he's not been, been able to produce any results. And Patty pleads with him to not leave and brings up the watch saying she knows it's, she knows it belongs to Mrs. Miller. But, uh, but Dean Jones isn't certain of that saying that they contacted every jeweler in town and there's no record of her purchasing the watch from any of them, which to me is pretty flimsy reason to give up on that. But Hey, what do yeah, I, really? I, I work on a podcast? Well, Ingrid tries to apologize for his sister and she and agent Dean Jones have a little moment. And clearly they're attracted to each other, but just haven't had a moment to, to properly introduce themselves. Um, well, Dean Jones leaves and the two sisters decide to head to bed as Patty lets DC drink directly from her coffee cup, which is what I said earlier, which is nasty. Yeah. And then she ponders how she can help stir up some more evidence. At least she smacks the cat, though. She's like, no, 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 get out of here. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that made me think that that wasn't scripted. It was almost like, hitting this is like, no, get out of here. But anyways, this concludes Act 2. Patty sets out on a quest for more evidence with a very Jackie O vibe going on with a suspicious canoe following with his trademark pipe and stylish bucket hat and subtle sweater. 
and sunglasses. Oh, man. I need this whole outfit. <laughs> I'd take the bucket hat. I'd take the sunglasses. I'd take that mustard cardigan. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patty ducks into a jewelry store, and guess who's in it? Andy, who's in the jewelry store? Uh, not this guy. <laughs> I'm so glad to see you. I have to admit, when I saw Edwin, you know, in the title and the title credits, and you guys talked about him, I thought he was going to be in this movie way more. And so, for me personally, I was relieved that he was not in it as much as I thought he was going to be. In it. Yeah, just kind of an extended cameo. So we got Edwin playing the jeweler, doing Edwin stuff, while Patty pleads with him to help her and her uh, caper to gather more evidence. Patty persuades him to assist and phones the FBI, getting Zeke on the phone, or Agent uh, Dean Jones, as Andy referred to him, uh, who just happens to be talking to his field officer supervisor about the watch. Patty sounds like uh, Patty, if Patty were drunk, doing a bad <laughs> German accent, uh, and says she works at the jeweler and, her, uh, and has inf- information about the watch. So she's got this like German accent going on here. I love the whole accent and her whole performance is Mm -hmm. hilarious to me. Like I was on holiday in Mexico on a bus. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think they really paint her as kind of a hot mess, which is great. She plays very well. Totally. Yeah. Zeke hangs up ready to move, uh, but the supervisor wants to follow up and do a little cross-checking, which is wise on his behalf. Uh, Ed does more Edwin's uh, shtick, acting nervous and rattling as he recounts Patty's story, and he does this nice point gag where he's like pointing over at at Patty and whacks his finger into the phone receiver, uh, which was, you know, I thought that was kind of a a nice take there by him. Um, No, 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 it wasn't. It was not. (laughs) He's a one-trick pony. But he's so good at it. Uh, Back at the hideout, Dan is doing what uh, crooks do and looking at money (laughs) when he's interrupted by a knock on the door. Ingrid walks in uh, with, uh, and they ask Margaret to leave. Or pardon me, not Ingrid. Iggy Iggy walks in. (laughs) And they ask Margaret to leave. Uh, She pleads for her life and begrudgingly retreats to the kitchen so Iggy and Dan can talk business. Uh, Margaret decides to set fire to the kitchen only to have it quickly snuffed out by Dan. And then Dan and Iggy decide to snuff her out in return. (laughs) Iggy turns on a a fan that blows a suitcase of fake money around the room. As they pick up uh, the unstowed folding money, the uh, landlady shows up smelling smoke and wants to come in. Friend, your folder money's come unstowed. <laughs> That's exactly what I, what I was thinking when I wrote that. Uh, the pushy landlady comes in, spouting off uh, ordinance laws, and shoves some uh, soup in the for the sick, uh, quote unquote, old lady. Uh, she announces that uh, because there are three people living in the apartment, it costs them twenty. As a single bill falls from the uh, chandelier overhead. As Dan uh, shoes her out, Iggy, with his sticky fingers, swipes the 20 out of her apron. Nice. As she leaves, she warns them that uh, her sister, who's the prison matron from Corona, is in town and doesn't sleep well, and they better hold it down. 
So let me ask a question. What's a prison matron? Like the like, wife um, of the warden or no, like a, no, like a guard. woman's prison. She's like, okay. Uh, okay. She's the guard essentially. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dan slams the door and scoffs 40,000 pads in this city. And you got to pick one on top of a human radar station. She got a sister that can't sleep nights because she's a head roach at the state birdhouse. <laughs> Great line. Great line. And DC is about to head out for his nine o'clock uh, jaunt. Uh, the G-men are on the scene waiting again, spending those tax dollar uh, money or taxpayer dollars. Uh, Patty is worried about DC and says he's so helpless. Ingrid quips that he's about as helpless as a U.S. as the U.S. Marine Corps, which was an odd choice. I thought. Uh, phone phone rings and it's Canoe uh, making an attempt to catch Patty in a lie. He points out that the blue car is parked out front, to which Patty responds, "Really." Canoe wants to uh, come over, but Patty says. She has uh, his uh, this ghastly headache. Uh, G-Men ask her to wrap it up, and Patty covers, uh, saying it was uh, Ingrid who has this deep voice when she gets out of the shower. Canoe <laughs> hangs up the phone in disgust, puts uh, on his sunglasses and a fake mustache, storms off. Nice. It's... <laughs> uh, DC hops off the bed and towards the door and outside and pauses to enjoy some bird singing. Uh, so this is, I mean, I, I gotta say it again. This is just solid cat acting here. I, I, everything was believable by this cat. DC has a couple of takes during the movie that are really good. I'm like, that's, that's a, that's a take. That's like a, a thoughtful take from this cat. <laughs> Ingrid asks why they come back. Um, she thought they uh, gave up on the cat theory. Patty chimes in, uh, blabbing about the, the Hoff-Stetler uh, scheme. Um, Newton, the supervisor, starts to question Patty, but is distracted fr- from her bad cover-up job when DC starts out on his prowl. And he just glosses over that. I, I would have thought he would have, you know, shut yeah, it down. It's lucky that. he didn't follow it up. Uh, canoe is outside in the bushes. Uh really going to town on that pipe. Zeke heads out while uh, nosy Mrs. McDougal looks on. Patty follows after Zeke and Canoe gives chase. Uh, Miss Mandu- Mc- Mrs. McDougal has, en- has had enough and is going to uh, intervene and not be an ostrich like her uh, hateful husband with his head in the sand. Uh, Mr. McDougal promptly phones the police uh, that there's a prowler dressed like an old woman ro- roaming around the neighborhood. DC goes bounding down the street, making uh, his rounds. Uh, the police roll up and see Mrs. McDougal looking over fences and say, hey, that's the 402, all right, um, which I'll add, according to the internet, which is never wrong, a 402 is a fire and a 403 is a prowler. So ah, make uh, a mistake. continuity error there. Uh, just throwing that out there. Uh, the cops arrest her and make some jokes about her looking mannish. Uh, so that gag uh, was short-lived. Canoe uh, giving chase leaps over a wall, lands on a springboard that happens to be by a pool and goes bounding into the pool full of floating inflatable swans and bears. Of course. Because he doesn't have that. 
Uh, DC continues uh, his rounds with Zeke and Patty right behind. They pause to, uh, to the sound of squishing as Canoe follows in his wet shoes. Some, some quasi. There's, there's been yes. some. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. There's a lot of water in those shoes. It made me think yes. there must have been something up his leg that was putting more water in his shoes as he walked. Maybe I. I watched that scene a little too much. I don't know. <laughs> I thought about it too much. <laughs> yeah, because it was juicy. Yeah, absolutely. Squirting Al- out. Alarmed by the sound, uh, DC doubles back, passing Zeke, Patty, and Canoe, who's camouflaged with his trench coat against a matching garage door. As they all go by, the old-time uh, garage door flips open, sending Canoe up into the air uh, as water pours out of his pant leg, Andy, to your another, point. Oh, there you go. Another great one. Another great one. Yeah, did that one. look strange to you guys? It looked like they, all they had was a uh, like a trench coat like up against the wall or something. Well, it, the shadow had cut his head yeah. off, so you couldn't see his face. So it's just I thought it was kind of funny that the, the trench coat blended in with the with the door. Yeah. I don't know. The Zika. Uh, Loses contact with the informant, a.k.a. DC, and uh, radios back. DC bumps into Iggy, uh, who's got a laundry truck and a laundry bag, presumably to get uh, Margaret out in. DC <laughs> follows him up the st- uh, steps to the apartment. Dan hands him a pillow to kill Margaret with with what just a pillow a, killing. Yeah. Uh, just as Zeke uh, picks up the signal on DC's collar, with no time to spare, he moves in alone. Just as the crooks discover the bug, Zeke knocks on the door saying he's uh, lost his cat. DC, not a fan of Zeke, uh, takes a swat at him. Zeke tries to uh, fast talk his way out of the situation as Patty listens in. She busts in, grabbing DC, uh, trying to give credence to Zeke's story that the cat belongs to his wife. Dan isn't buying it, pulls uh, his heater, and decides to take <laughs> Patty hostage. She quickly uh, tosses DC on him, giving Zeke time to grab his gun, only he starts sneezing because of the allergy, and Dan gets the upper hand again. Iggy tries I had to, to make wonder a- what the cat was thinking, because they've got these scenes yeah. where like Dean and Dan are fighting against the like the shelf that DC's like on top of. Like really going at it, fighting, and it's like, what was the cat thinking was going on? It's just kind of sitting there, like, hmm, this is unusual. Iggy tries to make a run for it with the loot. Patty trips him up, knocking his briefcase full of cash into the floor. As he tries to put it back, Patty keeps tossing it back out. As he uh, grabs it, finally DC runs out, trips him down the steps, just as Zeke finishes off Dan with an uppercut. And this is one of those scenes that, again, just came right back to me. I don't know why. The, the whole idea of, of uh, DC tripping the uh, Iggy down the steps. But I mean, he didn't just trip him. That cat got kicked. Yeah, they, yeah maybe that's I why kept I remember trying to figure they, out. I'd like rewound it a couple of times to like look. And it's like, I, did they, how'd they, how'd they do that? Or did they just like kick the cat? Just, just punted him. Uh, well, Peggy, uh, Patty takes out Iggy with like a block in the back in the kitchen. She like totally takes him out too. He clobbers, uh, Haley Mills once in the, in the kitchen too. Yeah. Iggy does. 
as the money flies everywhere, the rest of the FBI show up and cuff him as he whines, that darn cat. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if the hardened criminal would have uh, used some uh, stronger yeah, adjectives right. there. Nah. <laughs> darn cat. Uh, DC is all over the headlines. Uh, they say headline, uh, pardon me, we see headlines that read, youth trapped in garage door as poor canoe is being rescued by firemen. <laughs> Outside, Gregory is calling on Ingrid, who walks past him and hops in Zeke's car and mocks him repeatedly, even tossing in a say hi to your mom for me line, uh, paraphrasing <laughs> it. Nice. Um, as Greg walks off in defeat, uh, canoe rolls up in his 33 Ford Woody, uh, bumping into uh, Greg's bins. Canoe has a uh, stiff neck, and Patty, feeling bad for him, invites him in and makes him a big weird sandwich. Um, <laughs> I love the line about the big weird sandwich. Make your big weird sandwich. Mrs. McDougal arrives after a night in the tank, informs <laughs> the cops to wait because she's going to murder someone. Uh, Wilmer flees out the back door as DC looks on. Then out from underneath the steps comes another cat, three kittens. DC follows and they go down the street to the credits. And that wraps up that darn cat. Well, we finally broken the Haley Mills seal, guys. I know it's excited. taken seasons uh, to get to Haley Mills, but here we are. I wouldn't say this is her premier Disney role, but um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I love this film, uh, but yeah, any? Uh, I, I think we should rate this thing. Yeah, let's do it. We should do it using our custom made. System of rating. Robert, what's our rubric for tonight? I, I don't know how you guys feel. I, I think I know how you guys feel, but uh, there's one character in this movie that I think we can, well, there's two characters really that we can uh, universally agree were annoying. But one in particular that, that struck a chord with me more than the others was the uh, nosy neighbor. So I think we're going to go with, with nosy neighbors as our rubric. Nosy neighbors, yeah. Nosy neighbors helped and nosy neighbors didn't help in this movie, you know? So, um, kind of makes true. you think. A lot of nosy yeah. going on. Yeah. yeah. Think about well, it, let's won't t- you? <laughs> That's right. Let's start with plotted and writing. I want to go to Andy. I want to see what Andy has to say. How many nosy neighbors do you give this one? Uh, it's a silly premise, but it's well executed. Um, and, I, I, it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't terrible. And so because of that, I'm going to go middle of the road. I'm going to give it a three, three nosy neighbors. Okay. We'll go to Robert. How many nosy neighbors? Um, I thought it was, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought that in the second act, then making the rounds a second time got a little slow for me. 
Um, I thought they could have condensed it or done some stuff there, maybe. Um, so, but I enjoyed it. Uh, again, it was just a, a classic Disney silly premise. And I'm probably going to stick with Andy, though, and, and go with a three as well. Well, I'm going to bump it up one to a four because I thought it was a little bit leaner and meaner than all the other Disney comedies, most of the ones we've seen. And I thought most everything had a pretty good reason for being there. Um, I agree that the premise is pretty simple, so you can't go all the way. But I liked a lot of the lines, and I thought that it was it was pretty lean. Uh, and we'll go to Michael. Well, I'm like sorely tempted to go to a five because uh, there's so many me lines too. that are like memorable yeah. for me. Uh, I agree. Like later on, it could have used just a little trimming here and there, just a little bit. And I mean, the, the general, I mean, the underlying premise is ridiculous, but I mean, that's just part of the territory. But I, I just think it's, uh, it's what I said earlier about the fact that they brought in these outside writers who were, you know, professional, well-known writers of their own. And they, I don't know, it, it was just a really memorable script for me. So I'm I'm tempted to go to five, but I'm going to give it a, a really high four, I think. Yeah, this would be four and a half territory for me because I just think they do a good job with what they had, you know, and they, yeah. We're going to go to casting and acting, and I'm going first because, I, guys, I'm going to give it a five because wow. I really, I thought the ensemble worked great. Uh, I, I just, it just works for me, the the acting, and I know that it's not the best acting you're ever going to see, but just the the Disney history involved, the the breadth of the actors, um, I'm going to give it a five because I, I like it. Uh, we'll go to Andy. I thought it, we, we pointed this out earlier, but I thought it was ridiculous that uh, the English accents, um, on some of the actors, um, but that's really my only knock. And, um, so I'm going to give it a four. Uh, I can't go quite five, but I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Michael. I'm going to give it a five too. I mean, I just love all these people and like, I totally get the Haley Mills, like, it's just part of the territory with Haley Mills that the accent doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Right. So I get, right. I get that. I, I'm just so used to it, I suppose. So I can totally see pinging it for that. But, um, yeah, I just love all like every all the way down, like everybody, yeah. like all the weird dudes at the at the drive-in theater. Mm-hmm. Um, just everybody. So like all those FBI agents were so like perfect the gangsters were perfect everybody was perfect so five for me okay and robert i'm gonna go with a five as well i was really impressed with Haley's timing i I just yeah there were several scenes where i was really going man she's she's a lot better than i ever gave her credit for and it um, made me wish she had done more stuff older for like because she did a lot of stuff after this in movies throughout the rest of the 60s nothing for disney I would have loved to have seen her like in her twenties at Disney, like doing stuff like this. Cause mm-hmm. like her timing, I thought it was really funny. All right. Production value. We're going to stick with you, Robert. How many, uh, nosy neighbors are you going to give that one? Um, I guess we could put sort of the, some of the cat stuff into the production value. Um, oh yeah. Know. Uh, I mean, cause I mean the cat's acting, but there's, 
I mean, there's a production value to it. <laughs> so I was uh, thoroughly impressed with the cat stuff. Um, I mean, it's, it's not, uh, you know, overwhelming, but the music is great. Um, uh, I mean, that overwhelming in the set design that is, um, I'm probably gonna go with a four, I think for the production value. I'll agree with you there. I'll, I think the music is excellent. I think, and like you said, the the set design, it's like a lot of back, back lot and matte stuff, but it is really evocative. The, the world they create, um, it is just, there's, it is a rare, there's like one green screen shot or I, I don't know how they did it back then. Yellow screen, uh, one chroma key shot that was bad. But most of it, I was like, yeah, this just, it, nothing takes you out of it. And the music's really great and animal acting, you know? So I'll, I'll get four as well. Uh, Michael. Yeah. When we were setting out to do this, I thought in advance, I was like, the only thing I'll possibly ding this movie on is this category because it's such a small scope of a movie. It's like, how do you, you know, that mostly takes place inside and in rooms and, on back lot. So, you know, how do you really rate that? But then it started and I, I started noticing all the stuff you don't think about as a kid with the animals and just that, even that first scene with the cat and the dog and doing their shtick, I'm like, man, this must've been really, really difficult to do. Yeah. So that really bumped it up for me and the music, which is so good. And even just the interiors, which are, very basic, but as as we've talked about throughout the movie, like really period specific, mm-hmm. fantastic, you know. So I'll give it a four. All right, Andy, how many uh, nosy neighbors are you giving this one? Well, you know, it's one of these movies where I can't really ding it on anything, but at the same time, I don't think nothing for me. Nothing really stood out. Um, I mean, the music was good, but uh, and, and the, you know, like you said, the cat or animal stuff was was well done but at the same time i thought everything was rather plain and uh and maybe it's just um i don't know i i can't explain why i feel that way but so it wasn't enough for me to really make it uh anything like i can't give it a four or five but also i can't give it a a two or one so i'm gonna go three all right we're gonna stick with you for entertainment value what are you giving this one uh i've been rather middle of the road on this movie and uh but i i really enjoyed it i i thought it was good i could see myself watching it again um but it's not i can't say that i'd give it a four either so again i'm gonna go with three okay robert um i'm gonna give it a four Uh, it's um certainly i watched it twice in preparation and I didn't didn't dread having to watch it twice. I'll watch most of our movies twice, unless it's a really bad, bad one. I'll, I won't go back around. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was enjoyable. I, and I I and I can't fault it really anywhere. Um, but like Andy, I, I can't uh, I can't ding it. But there wasn't anything that like made me go, "Wow, this has got to be a five. So for me, though, that pushes it up to a four. Uh, guys, I'm going to give this a five because uh, for me, I feel like this is the best uh, Disney comedy of this era. This is like mm. the number one one. Uh, and so where the scope of the movie doesn't do much, I think it's so good. And seeing this this cast um, and how they do it and the beats they do, the really eccentric stuff they do. 
you know, I would watch this movie often. So it's going to get a five from me. Uh, Michael, what do you say? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, this, I realize this is a, a specifically personal rating. Uh, this is my perspective only. And if I was trying to rate it objectively, I'd may rate it different. But for me, it's a five. I mean, for me, I could put this movie on any time and just enjoy myself because it's just everybody's so much fun. It's so, I don't know. It's it's very comfy movie for me and yeah. a lot of fun stuff. And I love the gangsters. I love all their gangster talk. And I love just all the kind of weird eccentric stuff that, Patty does and Zeke does. And I don't know. I just, I just really, it's an endlessly enjoyable movie for me. So I got to give it a five. Yeah. This is up there for us. Uh, yeah. A Crawford classic. Uh, and our parents love this one too. So definitely some personal rankings getting put in here for us. I'm sure. Well, let's punch this into the computer that wore tennis shoes and see what it spits out. Seems like, a little high marks, perhaps, from it's, most uh, of us. It's a little alarming. I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised here. Uh, we uh, came in with a four point zero six nosy neighbors, which ties it for number six overall All with right. Old Yeller. Okay, and puts it right behind the Shuggy Dog with a four zero flat. And honey, hey, give, me the, the give me the top five. Remind me the top five. All right. The top five is number one, who framed Roger Rabbit at 4.44, 20,000 leagues under the sea, whale tails at 4.42, Swiss family Robinson coconut bombs at 4.31, flight of the navigator scuzz buckets at 4.3, absent minded professor tin lizzies at 4.15, and then old yeller and that darn cat. Well, that's a solid lineup right there. Yeah, that's a film festival I'd go to. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, we have said what we have to say about that darn cat. Michael, what did Leonard Malton have to say about that? Unsurprisingly, Leonard Malton really liked this movie. He said, That darn cat is a protracted but well made, entertaining suspense comedy. What sets it apart from the from most other Disney comedies is that its alternate theme, the serious side of the story involving two robbers and their hostage is not played for laughs, but is done instead in a most serious and suspenseful manner. Naturally, this makes for a much better film. So I agree. There you go. I agree. It's not too wacky. All right. Well, we're going to close the book on that darn cat. We're not closing the book on Haley Mills. Uh, Got some more Haley coming, but, uh, but what is coming next, Robert? Well, it is upon us. The holiday season is here and however you choose to celebrate, we hope you will join us on what could be a landmark episode for this podcast. Pretty sure it will be one way or another. Last season we did Mickey's Christmas Carol and it was mentioned by me that my mother's all-time favorite movie is A Christmas Carol starring George C. Scott as Ebenezer Scrooge. But she's really a fan of all versions. But uh, that one sets atop the pile. So we're going to go back to the well this season. And since at present time, Disney does not own the rights to the George C. Scott version, uh, her second favorite version of uh, Christmas Carol is the Muppets Christmas Carol. But that's not all. My mother, Elise McSwain will be joining us 
on our next episode as a contributor. And who knows what will happen? Gentlemen, you have all spent some time around my mom. How would you describe her? Well, I mean, I, I think, think we've described her a lot on this <laughs> podcast, but uh, I think who knows what will happen pretty much covers it. That, that's, <laughs> that's right. yes. I think She's all hell going to break character. loose. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's going to be a real treat. A Don't real be surprised treat. if this episode never appears in your feed. People. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah, they said they were going to do Muppet Christmas Carol. What happened to that? We'll know. Expect the unexpected. Well, the year is wrapping up for the podcast, but the season is just starting. And with January coming around the corner, our founder will once again be sifting through the Disney Plus vault, looking for the perfect collection of movies. The founder, the collection, Disney Plus. Let us know what you want to see at the usual spots. Info at midfieldfilm.com and at midfieldfilm on social media platforms of your choosing. Hey, Big Andy, listens, I got a job for you. Uh, what's that, Jeffy? So you better keep your trap shut about this job, if you know what's good for you. Hey, lighten up, Jeffy, I ain't no squealer. Listen, this meatball is hot. Real hot. Hey, quit flapping your lips and get to talking about it. What's the job? Yeah, I need some Christmas cards made. Hey, look at this guy here, needing Christmas cards? <laughs> Quiet, you, I got a reputation to uphold. Okay, okay. So you need some Christmas cards made, eh? Well, where do you where do I come in? You got a hot lead you're not telling me about? Yeah, I know a guy. I knew it. You've been holding out on me? Nah, you know the guy, it's Todd Naprick. Right, Todd Naprick. I've heard of him. All right, let's go get him. Whoa, easy Mojambo. We don't need him to rough him up. He does good work and he makes you look good at the same time. How many clams are we talking? Oh, that's just it. This Todd, he's a reasonable man. Get this. His work is so good, it just feels like you're stealing for the price. Now, this guy Todd is a guy I can get behind. Where do I find him? He's on the internet at bindinggraphics.com. What kind of stupid name is that? Oh, easy, easy. You're talking about my guy Todd here. He's also on the Upworks. Hey, hey, look him up. Do it. He'll make you look good. All right, all right. So from all of us here at the Medfield College Film Society, we will see you, hopefully, with an unpredictable episode for our big holiday special. Mighty Redfield, Lord.